All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101Insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. Pizza Mind here, rolling solo again, but not alone because I have with us today Paul Gamble, the co-founder and CEO of Nori. Paul, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hey, Aaron. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in, jumping in. We get to have the most unfiltered episodes when I'm hosting by myself so we can really get deep down into these topics and really bring the soul out of them. When we've got an extra host here, when Bryce is here, you know, we've got three voices. We got to keep it at a high level, keep the conversation flowing a little bit better. But now we get to really dive deep down into some things here. And I'm excited today because we're going to be talking about something we don't talk about very often on this show, uh, maybe ever. And that's carbon credits and the environment. Uh, The environment's important because we all live in it. But what does this have to do with crypto and blockchain? Let's start at that high level. Give us the high level of what is the Nori network? What are you guys doing? What's the problem? What's the solution you're building? Sure. Well, the, the problem is climate change. And uh, climate change is bad. It's going to get worse. It's going to make things really expensive. It's going to make uh, food harder to grow. It's going to cause wars. Uh, It's bad and we should try to avoid its worst outcomes. And I think that we should go further than trying to avoid its worst outcomes. And I think we should try to solve it. I think we should try to reverse the whole thing and get it fixed so it's it's as if there's no climate change happening at all. And it turns out that uh, climate change is actually a lot more straightforward uh, than other than people tend to think, which is it's just the problem that there are too many greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. 
And the solution, surprisingly, is to pull those gases back out and store them somewhere safely in the earth. That's it. We need to remove a lot of carbon. And by a lot, I mean like a lot, a lot. It's over one and a half trillion tons of CO2 that we probably need to remove in order to get our atmospheric carbon balance back to 300 parts per million, which is about where it was before the industrial revolution began. So that's the scope of what Nori is trying to do is we, we our mission is to get back to 300 parts per million. So what do we need to do that? Is it just planting a ton of trees and being patient? Do we need other giant space age machines start sucking this stuff out and depositing it or yes. is blockchain possible to help this yes. as well somehow? Uh, yes to every question you just asked. So there are a lot of different ways to pull carbon out of the air. Um, there are more nature-based, natural, ecological ways, um, like planting trees, of course, uh, storing carbon in soils by changing farming practices, uh, kelp farming, growing seaweed. And then there are more industrial approaches like uh, direct air capture uh, or storing carbon in cement or other uh, carbon negative construction materials, uh, man uh, using mine tailings left over from mining different types of metals, that kind of thing. So a combination of all of these are going to be necessary in order to extract that much carbon because there, it's just it's a mind-bogglingly large number. But it is very much possible uh, if we take into account like exponential growth rates from technology innovation and so on. So there are all these different ways of pulling carbon out of the air that we know how to do today. And we can especially get started when it comes to the more nature-based stuff. So uh, soil carbon and tree planting and kelp farming are all getting a lot of attention right now. Whereas things like carbon negative cement and direct air capture, those are still pretty expensive to do and they're pretty nascent. Uh, it's just like a bunch of startups that uh, are decently funded and um, have good proofs of concept, but are not at scale yet. Um, so the it's not really so much a, an R&D problem as it is more of an incentive problem. Uh, there are all these different ways to pull carbon out of the air, but it's not happening at scale. So how do we incentivize lots of people to do this thing that we want to do, them to do? I think the simplest way is to pay them to do it, create a incentive to pull carbon out of the air. And that is what Nori is doing. Mm, okay, so we've got, I always tell people, if you want to know the truth, just follow where the money is. And you're creating yes. a money trail and incentivization program for people to start pulling carbon out of the air at a larger scale than they currently are. How are you doing that? Yeah, well, um, so briefly, my background is in software. I got into Bitcoin in like 2010 and started mining it back then. And then when Ethereum came out, I was really excited about that. So in 2015, I was working in software. I'm in Seattle and I got bored with the consulting work I was doing. And I decided that I wanted to work on this carbon removal problem. And I had no idea how to go about doing it. So I started a meetup group in Seattle. And then very quickly, we met basically every other group in the world that was working on carbon removal because there were only a handful, like three or four. So it was really, really early days back then. And I was thinking at first that I would want to build like a products business that, um, you know, sell consumer products that could pull carbon out of the air or something like that. But I have no idea how to build physical products, but I do know how to make software. And by the end of 2016, as we started to see the rise of tokenization happening with different Ethereum projects, then there was this light bulb moment for me because I had been, uh, I, I had been talking with a guy in my meetup group who was a carbon offsets broker. And I was learning from him about how carbon offsets markets works, which is um, buyer is paying for carbon offsets that are avoiding emitting a ton of CO2. 
And from him, I was learning that these markets are not actually markets. They are a, a very bespoke arrangement between uh, project developers, brokers, consultants, registries that are basically databases of serial numbers tracking the carbon offsets and buyers. And it's all very antiquated. It's like if you would if you were to build this in the late 1990s, it still functions in the same way as if you were doing it back then. So there's a lot of low hanging fruit that software can help solve, but uh, the other big problem is that when people think of carbon offsets, they're talking about projects that avoid or reduce future carbon emissions. So you're saying like, uh, I'm going to do a methane capture uh, facility at a landfill. So as the methane is being emitted from the landfill, as the um, all the garbage is breaking down, we're going to capture some of that and prevent it from going into the atmosphere. Or we're going to capture it and burn it so that it goes up and isn't as impactful from a greenhouse gas perspective. That's avoiding future emissions. But the problem is, even if we were to turn off all sources of carbon emissions tomorrow, magically, um, we're still screwed. There's still far, far, far too much carbon in the air, and we've already locked in a significant amount of warming. So we're going to have to remove all that carbon no matter what. So uh, what Nori is, is a marketplace that incentivizes people to remove carbon. So it's not avoiding future emissions. There are plenty of other ways that people can go about doing that. But we work exclusively with projects that are removing carbon dioxide that is already up in the atmosphere and then storing it and sequestering it safely in the earth. And we do that to start by working with farmers who are storing carbon in soils, but we're agnostic to this and we'll add different methodologies in the future, like kelp farming and tree planting and direct air capture and everything else that I've mentioned already. Um, so we want to be this open marketplace where people are proposing new methods of how to uh, get carbon out of the air and how to measure and verify that. So that's the high level. I haven't mentioned any like blockchain or crypto pieces yet, but I can get there. Yeah, I think now's a great time to get there. Cool. So the it helps to know a little bit about the history of carbon offset and carbon trading. Um, this is something that a lot more people are paying attention to these days. So historically, uh, this goes back to the late 1990s when the Kyoto Protocol was adopted at the UN level. And the idea was that uh, country, developed countries, um, so like the US and Western Europe and so on, would pay developing countries, so think of like the BRICS countries like Brazil and places in Africa, would pay these developing countries for retaining carbon inside their borders. Because the thought process was, look, you know, we're a developed country uh, because we We've, uh, we've used so much energy, we've emitted so much carbon to create this like high luxury lifestyle that we lead relative to other countries. And who are we to go say to these developing countries, oh, no, no, now that we realize climate change is a big problem, you don't get to uh, live the same lifestyle that we do. That's pretty unfair. So the idea was that they would pay them for that. But in practice, it ended up being mostly private companies who are buying and selling carbon offsets. And um, then that kind of continued for a number of years. And then, and, and these, uh, like I mentioned earlier, all these like custom bespoke consultants and brokers and registries sprang up to support that. Then in 2015, uh, with the Paris Accords, now every country that, which basically every country has adopted these, every country has their own emissions reductions targets. So every country is saying, hey, we're going to reduce our emissions by X amount, and this is how we're going to go about doing it. And then you can hold us to account on that number. 
Now, so since every country has their own reductions targets, that means that um, even the developing countries now have to meet their reductions targets. And it is still the case today that if a project happens inside one country's borders and then it is exported, and that carbon credit is exported and sold to a buyer in a different country. So say it happens inside Brazil, like a forestry project, and then they sell that to a buyer in France. Well, both Brazil and France will count that as an emissions reduction. Because Brazil is saying it happened inside of our border, and France is saying, well, we imported that credit. So that's that's just straight up double counting. And it's a very silly problem that, that there uh, has been unable to be solved for political reasons, mostly because Brazil has been blocking it at the international discussion level, because they don't want to give up the fact that they have the Amazon inside their borders, and that's a huge carbon sink, and they can sell and export those credits, but they still want to be able to get credit for the Paris obligations. So uh, there's that going on. But then the other sort of like softer form of double counting is that when a uh, when these market designers were setting up carbon trading back in the late 90s, they wanted to build a commodities market for this because a commodities market is really useful. It's It helps with price discovery, business uh, forecasting. It brings in more capital to the space. Like the entire economy runs on commodities markets and people in crypto are, are very aware of this. When a carbon uh, credit is created, so someone does a project and then they get it certified and verified, and then they typically will sell those carbon credits to a broker. And the broker is then going to resell those carbon credits to someone else, and then they might sell to someone else and someone else and someone else. So these carbon credits are getting traded many times over, but it's only that first sale where the money spent actually goes to the, the person or company that did the carbon offset project. After that, it's just a financialized product and it's just people pushing pieces of paper around. So at Nori, we believe that that's double counting. And uh, it also introduces all sorts of um, potential for fraud and other bad actors. Like uh, you can get you could say I have like a big oil and gas company who buys up lots of carbon credits and then says to the world that, hey, we offset all of this carbon. But if they choose not to retire the carbon, which means to say we're going to we're going to take final ownership of this, then they uh, they can hold that as an asset on their balance sheet. And if they need to, they can flip it and sell those carbon credits, potentially at a profit. And if that happens, did they really take credit for that carbon offset or did they just uh, perform a financial maneuver? So these are problems that are baked into the fundamental ways in which carbon credits work. So at Nori, we do this differently. And this is where blockchain comes in and why crypto is really important to what we're doing. When the supplier sells a ton of CO2 that has been removed in uh, the Nori market, it, it's actually an NFT. We call it the Nori removal ton or NRT. And that NRT gets sold to the buyer and then is immediately retired. So the buyer is never allowed to resell that carbon. They own it forever and it's just stored there in their wallet. But we still want a commodities market for all the good reasons that I listed out earlier. And if we're doing immediate retirement of the carbon, then it's uh, we, we don't have an asset that can be traded. So that's why our native Nori token is being introduced, where the price of one ton of CO2 will always be one Nori. So there are two assets. There's the NRT 
uh, which is the carbon that's been removed. And then there's the nori, which is a fungible token and is a medium of exchange token that will circulate around the economy as people use them. So the price of the nori as it's traded will become the carbon reference price. And that's the tradable commodity asset, but we solve the double counting problem and make it really simple for reporting for Paris obligations, who removed the carbon and who gets to take final credit. It's no surprise here on this show to find out that a really good idea, once put in the hands of governments and giant corporations, has become entirely corrupted and screwed up and used for yes. profit. <laughs> so, yeah, just a, another false example of uh, goodwill and yeah. uh, horrible results. So leave it again to the private sector to come in with an actual solution. Some say Bitcoin can be an inflation hedge because its supply is limited, unlike fiat money, which can be created out of thin air. The number of Bitcoins is capped at $21 million by mathematical algorithms, but Bitcoin is not the only in-demand asset with a limited supply. Think about it, right? If you want to invest in something that historically holds value well, even with inflation and has little correlation with both crypto and stocks, consider a real but overlooked asset, fine art. Contemporary art has outpaced the S&P 500 by 174% from 1995 to 2020. And that's according to Citigroup. Investing in art by icons like Andy Warhol or Picasso or Banksy used to be an option only for the ultra-rich folks like you know Elon Musk or Kathy Wood and Jeff Bezos. But with a new investing platform, you can invest in blue chip art too. Okay, So over 270,000 investors have signed up. And if you want to join this art investing revolution, here's what you got to do. Just head on over to masterworks.io slash crypto 101 for priority access. All right. That's masterworks.io slash crypto 101. And you guys get some priority access there. And lastly, guys, I want you guys to check out those important disclaimers at masterworks.io slash disclaimers. They're also in the show notes for you. Now on to our guest. So in order to have your good idea, this Nori project, fully adopted, what, what has to happen? What do you need to have, you know, the, the Seattle Amendment come to life and <laughs> the rest of the world now have to use the Nori network? Well, uh, the, the most important thing to know about carbon and carbon offsetting is that the, this industry is fundamentally supply constrained. There is nowhere near enough supply to meet the demand that exists today, and there never will be, um, mostly for reasons of physics. Um, so just like historically, the total number of carbon credits ever created is somewhere between four and six billion tons. We don't know the exact number because of these double counting problems I just described, but somewhere in that range. As a planet, we emit about 50 billion tons of CO2 equivalent every single year. Uh, so uh, over 20 years, the total number of carbon credits is only 10% uh, of one year's worth of annual emissions. So this is really a supply issue. Um, other evidence for why this is a supply problem is both Amazon and Apple have committed a combined like $300 million towards carbon removal, uh, but they had to partner with the Nature Conservancy and Conservation International in order to develop new 
like forestry restoration projects. Uh, this isn't available off the shelf. There's no like commoditized carbon removal that they can go buy. Uh, it just doesn't exist. And so that's that's the problem that Nori's trying to solve. And we work with farmers, as I mentioned, who are storing carbon in their soils. We have a lot of different partners with big agricultural companies who are helping source farmers for us who are making these transitions to what's called regenerative agriculture. Basically, they plant cover crops, they reduce the amount of tillage that's happening on their land, and they do more complex crop rotation. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that ends up storing about half a ton to a ton of CO2 per acre per year. Everything that we've done so far to date, the company's been around for four years. We started in 2017. Uh, everything that we've done has uh, been on the carbon side of the business, making sure that we can prove out our concept, that we have the ability to measure, uh, quantify the carbon, that it can be verified by independent third parties, and then we can transact and actually sell that those carbon NRTs to buyers. And that's, that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, the next major step for us is launching the token piece. So the price that people have been paying for these NRTs has been an arbitrary cash price of $15 per ton. And then by the way, Nori's revenue comes from a transaction fee of 15% that we charge on the, um, the buyer side which is actually like a steep discount compared to all of the consultant and broker fees that buyers normally pay. So uh, we've done all of that with cash, but then the next stage of the business in growing it is launching this Nori token uh, and then letting price discovery happen on the Nori. So that becomes the actual carbon price. And it's kind of an interesting transition. Like we're not like a traditional DeFi project or, um, or, or really any other sort of crypto project where we're just kind of launching a token and, and then letting it go from there. Like this token is meant to be the price of carbon and we already 
have transactions happening at a particular price of $15. So there are some really interesting challenges we have to overcome in terms of how that transition goes, but that's the next major step. And, uh, you know, I've already talked with like different commodities trading desks, um, big, uh, very large corporations, some of whom have invested in us, uh, who are all interested in using this uh, carbon token as a commodity. Uh, so that's the, the next big step for how to actually grow um, how much carbon is being pulled out of the air. So just to summarize, would it be accurate to say that the Nori token is loosely pegged to the price of a ton of CO2? I would, I would hope that it's more than loosely, but yes. Yeah, I mean, at least until the market becomes more efficient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. But that's, but that's the goal kind of like um, how ample forth is always going to come back to a dollar, even if it strays away one way or another, uh, it gets reset. Right. Or I guess maybe it's more akin to like these, um, these like non fiat pegged algorithmic stable coins, I guess. Like it's like, mm-hmm. I don't, what, what is the market price for a ton of carbon? I don't know. You don't know, but the market can reveal that. Right. And so mm-hmm. We just want that to be revealed via the Nori. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. I I think it's great to have some sort of measurement tied to it and whatever the market, you know, dictates that is, you know, that's what, how it becomes. So Mm -hmm. on the, the carbon side, are there any other partners that are trying to do something similar or at least blockchain recording projects that, you mm. might tie into as well because there's other carbon credit marketplaces. There's uh, there's there's a bunch of stuff out there, but what your guys yeah. are doing is pretty different. It's a much different approach. Yeah. So in in the normal non crypto world, the way that carbon credits are created is um, there are a handful of different registries, carbon offset registries. Um, examples are like Vera or Gold Standard or Climate Action Reserve, and they're uh, they're nonprofits. They've been around for about fifteen to twenty years for you know, since the early days of, of carbon trading. And they, the way that they work is they produce what are called, what they call protocols. And protocols are what carbon projects can conform to. It's basically saying, if you do X, Y, Z, and you measure it in this way, then we'll issue you carbon credits. So their revenue comes from fees that they charge on the supply side, like uh, registration fees, listing fees, transaction fees, and so on. And then um, project developers uh, conform to that. They often have to work with consultants because these protocols are really difficult to comply with. And, and then it gets pretty expensive. So traditionally, if you're doing a carbon offset project, you have to pay somewhere between like thirty to $100,000 just to get that project registered. That doesn't include the actual like operation or any capital expenses that are required. Those registries then create the carbon credits that can be issued and traded and sold and resold. And there are a number of different blockchain-based uh, projects out there. Like our, the, the one that's getting a lot of attention right now is like Climadao and Toucan. And what they're doing is they're taking carbon credits that are coming out of a registry like Vera, and then they're tokenizing them uh, so that they can then be resold on the blockchain. But I, I don't think that that's solving the, the real problem problem here because the real problem is the double counting issues. Uh, it's not that there's not a demand problem uh, for carbon removal. That's uh, that, that's an entirely different thing. Um, so there's no one that's 
actually doing anything like what we're doing. We sort of stand alone in, in saying that like double counting is a huge issue in carbon markets and it we need to separate the carbon from the tradable commodity asset. Uh, and we don't have any competition in that way. We do have competition in the realms of like there are agriculture companies that are working with farmers. There are, um, there are a bunch of like climate tech startups that aren't crypto or blockchain, but are um, trying to create new sales channels for selling carbon credits. But they're all, again, dependent upon these carbon offset registries, which are just fundamentally incapable of scaling because they put all the fees on the supply side. Like if if we're in a supply constrained market, why would you charge the supply side uh, for entry into that market? It doesn't make any sense. Got it. So it sounds a lot like the real estate industry that's really just antiquated and using a bunch of mm. tools just, just because that's what they're used to. Not because yeah. that's what's best, right? Um, and, well, and also the the existing the existing players, especially the registries, have no incentive whatsoever to change. Their their money comes from th- this system being constrained in this way. So they, in fact, they're incentivized to make it worse than better. Classic, classic. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, we can change that through your system here. One thing you mentioned a few other projects, and I've never heard of those either, despite you know being very, very, um, I have my thumb on the pulse of crypto very tightly. Is it because, and I think it's because these tokens are not listed anywhere. Is well, that for a specific yeah. reason? You know, like, is carbon considered a commodity or a security? Does it require uh-huh. its own different type of regulated exchange in order to be listed, or what needs to be done to have? The Nori token and other CO2 tokens traded on normal exchanges like Coinbase and Binance. Well, I think some of them are pretty new, um, so that's why they're maybe not on like on these like tier one exchanges already. Uh, I definitely think these are commodities, not securities, because it car- carbon and it like environmental trading certificates has a long like precedent history in the U.S. of being treated as a commodity. Um, okay. That's good. And yeah, that is good. Um, but but uh, these other carbon tokens, as I was saying, like all that they're they're double counting, like all that they're doing is they're trading the same ton of CO2 over and over again. So none of them are act. all that they're doing is putting lipstick on a pig in, in terms of taking carbon credits from the real world and then tokenizing them. Um, but they're new. Um, I'm sure they're getting a lot of attention. I think Climadow raised like 30 million dollars in uh, a recent token sale launch. They're a fork of Olympus uh, and Ohm. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you will hear more about them uh, going forward. I just don't think that they're going to actually solve any real problems when it comes to carbon. All right. So you guys have been around for four years now, though. That's right. What do you need to do to get the word out in the crypto space about Nori? Well, I mean, it makes sense. We haven't launched our token yet. We've been very intentional about not launching the token because we are like, this is a real business. Like we, we've, uh, we've transacted and sold about 60,000 tons of CO2. Uh, farmers have been paid out about $900,000 uh, for removing and sequestering carbon. Um, so we've been focused on like proving out that that is actually possible first. Um, but it makes sense that it, if people in crypto aren't necessarily uh, paying attention to what we're doing because there is no tradable token yet. Um, there is no tradable commodity asset that they can get into. Um, so that, that's why I said earlier, like that's the next big major milestone for us. Um, is so when can, that we token expect, when can we expect that launch to happen? 
ideally within the next few months is what we're looking at. Um, so I was mentioning earlier, alluding earlier to, there are some really interesting uh, transition that we have to go through like our suppliers the farmers they're used to getting paid in cash uh but we need to make it possible for them to receive the tokens and then easily exchange those tokens into cash um and we're talking about a subset of users who aren't necessarily the most uh crypto savvy and certainly not DeFi savvy so we have to deal with that there are some just like overall like regulatory issues to make sure we're being like totally compliant with we are an american company and, uh, and then like technical roadmap stuff, but that's going pretty well. Um, so hopefully within the next few months and we have at, uh, at nori.com slash token, we've got a newsletter that people can sign up for, um, to get updates on when that's happening. We'll probably have to be launching a, um, uh, some community channels as well for people to participate. I think that's pretty cool. You know, most crypto projects or companies that have any relation to crypto, the first thing they do is issue their token. And then yeah. build out everything later and hope for the best. But you guys did the opposite. You're coming right. onto the market with a fully functional company that's proven itself, that's existed longer than three years, which is kind of like the benchmark between success <laughs> and failure, uh, yeah. at least in this space. So you've already proven that you're here to stay. You've got a working business model. And now you're just upgrading your technology to include a crypto token. So right. that's awesome. And congratulations to you for- for all that, I mean, it's really tremendous. I mean, you're already ahead of you know 99% of all the other crypto <laughs> tokens out there, to be, to, be, to be frank. So definitely something to keep an eye on when the Nori token does get launched. Do you have any leanings towards what chain you're going to launch the token on? Yeah, on Ethereum. And, and, and by the way, we are, all, we are already recording, like every NRT uh, is um, sold as an NFT and recorded on chain, and that's been on Ethereum. Uh, okay. one. Cool, cool, cool. So that should at least be, you know, very easy um, from a technology from from a technology perspective to get listed on mm-hmm. other exchanges and wallets and things like that. So that's a great decision on on your part. Yeah. What yeah. comes? The next thing is to figure out like layer two stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. Yeah. So I guess the big pitch then is you've got. Your crypto and blockchain, you've got a functioning company, you've got a solution for a big problem on the planet. How do we get governments, giant corporations, and maybe even, you know, international uh, guidance bodies like the UN to adopt something like this? That's a really good question. And I think it's... uh... I think just becoming so big that they can't ignore us is really going to be the way that this has to go. Um, I mentioned earlier, we already have some corporate investors. I I can't name yet, but um, we already have support there from some very, very, very large companies. We've sold uh, carbon to like Shopify is probably the biggest company that we sold carbon to. There, on the regulatory front, uh, we don't have any lobbyists, but we do participate quite a bit uh, on the regulatory side, especially on the carbon side of things. There's a lot of talk happening in the U.S. Department of Agriculture about carbon markets and carbon credits with soil carbon and that kind of thing. And um, uh, actually, like just before we started this call, I was reviewing a, a letter that we're about to send to the USDA. On our website, nori.com slash blog, there's a a post up there called uh, Nori's Open Letter to the Task Force on Scaling Voluntary Carbon Markets, which is like at the UN level. Um, That was a letter that we wrote around how these things should be kind of structured. 
So yeah, I think our our best approach is utilizing the power of DeFi, bringing in capital that especially large corporates and large policymakers are just, you know, they're not used to understanding the power of uh, crypto communities and, and how a sort of bottom-up approach can actually um, wield quite a lot of influence. And then working with these larger uh, corporations who have invested and who are acting as customers and that kind of thing. And I, it just, it's kind of the, the approach that, Salesforce took when they went to market, like Salesforce initially went after lots of smaller customers and then eventually just became so big and useful that bigger customers couldn't ignore them anymore. And we're trying to do the same thing here. Fascinating. Uh, I think following the roadmap of Salesforce and their dominance is a great, great idea. I want to switch gears just for a moment. You mentioned you got into Bitcoin back in 2010 so, I mean, you're very, very familiar with how it works. You're familiar with proof of work mining. There's yeah. been a narrative going around this year that Bitcoin mining is bad for the environment and is using up all this electricity and stuff. Is that really true? I mean, yes, but so so. Do, I think I saw like a, an analysis that like clothes washing machines in the United States use more electricity than Bitcoin. Like uh, it's, it's just a matter of we use energy for things that we value. And I think the critics who are saying that proof of work blockchains use all this energy in such a waste, I think they're, if, if you come at blockchain from a perspective of, ah, oh, this is all just like speculative nonsense. It's just crypto bros trading, trying to get rich then yeah, that sort of makes sense as a claim. But if you come at it from an understanding that like Bitcoin is financial sovereignty for individuals living in authoritarian countries around the world, and Ethereum is like the going to be the financial backbone of the internet and is enabling all sorts of new pro-social movements and projects to get off the ground, then if you look at it from that respect, then the energy usage is completely worth it. Then there's the, the fact that like especially with China banning Bitcoin mining now, like the United States, North America is the largest by share of hashing power. And so most of that is happening in cheaper renewables. Um, I live in Washington state in Seattle, and uh, there are a lot of Bitcoin miners in Washington because we have really cheap hydropower here. So, and then with Ethereum, then you've got the merge coming, hopefully soon, soonish, and uh, sometime next year. And then this will become a non-issue on Ethereum as well. And it's really only going to be Bitcoin. That'll be the last sole remaining uh, big proof of work chain. And um, the solution is just to move to renewables and nuclear energy and stuff like that. So I, I think this becomes a non-issue. And this, this meme is just because, um, you know, people like to hate on things. I would completely agree. As someone with a mining background myself and building a mining farm right now, I can tell you guys that if you are not using renewable energy, uh, there's no way you can compete because yeah. so much of the industry is already moved over there. If yeah. you're not, I mean, I mean, I've been contacted by owners of hydro dams that want to build Bitcoin farms there because right. they can compete and be competitive. But unless you're using excess natural gas, or a ton of solar power or hydro. I mean, you can't just plug into your city grid and pay 30 cents a kilowatt and be competitive in Bitcoin mining. That where are you, no where are you where you where you pay 30 cents a kilowatt hour? That's crazy. California. California. Oh man. Uh I'm in Seattle, it's like six cents. Yeah. That's why I moved to Texas and now <laughs> wow. uh I've got a flat seven cent rate. Pretty happy. About okay. That. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> California's nuts. 
Well, Paul, this has been a fascinating conversation. You know, we've gone completely off script. We have one over here with some questions. I don't think I even touched it. So you did an amazing <laughs> job of just answering everything off the cuff of my sleeve here. But I guess before we wrap up, I want to ask if there's anything that I should have asked that I didn't that the people need to know about. Well, the, the thing I would want to share uh, for people who want to learn more about Nori, we have a couple of podcasts the, and these are not really crypto focused. They're more about the carbon side of the business. So uh, we have uh, one podcast called Reversing Climate Change. We've been doing that for about four years and we interview different people working in the carbon removal space, uh, try to get a better understanding and help educate on how climate change actually is quite solvable. And then the other podcast is a shorter one. It's called Carbon Removal Newsroom. And that's more of a current event space, like what's happening in the world of carbon removal? Who are the different companies getting started? What are the different policymakers talking about? And what are the different policies that might impact how carbon removal grows um, or, or not in in, uh, in the world. And uh, so I, I would encourage people to go to nori.com and there's a link in the top for podcasts and you can go, um, go find those there. And uh, we also put a lot of content on our blog. Uh, so uh, if you want to understand what Nori is doing better, go to nori.com slash blog. And then I mentioned earlier, nori.com slash token uh, to get on that newsletter about our forthcoming token launch. That's great. Thank you so much. And the last question I want to ask you is if someone was getting into the crypto space, just brand new, this is the first podcast they ever heard. What's some words of wisdom that you can share along your long journey in this industry? Oh, okay. Uh, especially right now, we're recording this in Q4 of 2021. Uh, don't get out over your skis. Uh, just like find things where you believe in the fundamentals of stuff. Don't get caught up in hype of things. And if you're investing in trading, focus on investing in the things that you believe in. And, and especially if it comes to DeFi, the things that you like to use. I think the future of governance is like so fascinating and interesting uh, for that. I've been through, I don't know, basically all of the crypto cycles uh, at this point. And it's, I've made so many mistakes that uh, now I take a much more passive approach to things and it ends up working a lot out a lot better financially and certainly uh, emotionally. So that's my recommendation. Very well said. Um, and lastly, where can we follow you on Twitter or any other socials yeah. that uh, you're active on? Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, uh, my username is just my full name, Paul Gamble, P-A-U-L-G-A-M-B-I-L-L. -L. Um, I talk about crypto and climate and kind of the intersection of the two on there quite a bit. And then you can follow Nori on Twitter at, at Nori, N-O-R-I. Great, Paul. Well, thank you so much, guys. This has been an amazingly insightful episode of Crypto 101. So interesting to find out just how much of uh, crypto and blockchain can impact the world even beyond just finance. So we will see you guys next week with another great episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.